0: Rich Ziade. Paul Ford. It's good to see you again. It's always good to see you, Paul. Everybody, this is Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. You're throwing the address out. I'm proud of that address, not going to lie.
1: It's a sexy address.
0: 101 Fifth Avenue. Yeah. It sounds like we should sell something like golden handbags. Scarves. Yeah. Yeah woven from digital dreams but instead what we do is create digital products like the things that you have uh on your phone or platforms that you use to i don't know book tickets book tickets yeah that's a good one booking tickets you've you've done some ticket booking work in your life right
1: um played around with it advised on it but not built it
0: you've never personally booked a ticket
1: oh booked a ticket yeah of course no no
0: no. i mean i was actually you you answered as a consumer
1: yeah, you answered the oh, real question I had, but you've abs- advised absolutely.
0: Do you have opinions on ticket booking? I don't. Okay, good, because that's don't. not what we're talking about today. No, no, we're going to talk about the media today. Okay, it's a great subject that everybody loves.
1: It's a weird word, right? It's it's not just there's the media, and then there's media. That's right. The pictures of my kids on my phone are media.
0: Of course, we've blurred the Is boundaries. Media? We've learned, well. Okay, this is first of all, yes, it's a it's a weird Latin plural that gets everybody in trouble. Yeah, but honestly, nobody should do that anymore. Just just go with media as a thing. Yeah, not as a plural. Right. It's the media. And it,
1: it's strange days for the media, and I think that's why we wanted to talk about it. Well, we should we should talk about that. And media is a big part of our business. We do a lot of work for media. That's true.
0: It's very blurry. You know, it used to be that work for media meant come and set up a blog or build a CMS, build a content management system. I'll put my articles in. I'll take what I know how to do. Right. And I'll do it over here in this little box, and we'll publish that on the World Wide Web. That's, it, it's that's, more complicated than that. Well, and it also means ads now. Just the word media, if you say, well, he's a media person, that could mean that it's a professional, digital, supply-side advertising person. Absolutely. So, Rich, that's the thing, right? You've got these old-school, often newspapers, publications, and they have to participate on the web. And now that means all kinds of things. That means words, articles, but it also means video. It means podcasts. Sure. And so that whole system has changed. And I often – we do work to help people. We do work to help people with their video strategy and so on. And and what you'd notice as you talk to big organizations – Is there feeling pressure from places like Netflix or YouTube to
1: get that attention? It's a fascinating shift that is now, I think, accelerating. I think there was a day when it was more thought about, well, how do we save the media because of the web and because people aren't buying newspapers? And that was the narrative for a really long time.
0: That's right. It was a defensive pose. So that was the first thing. Correct.
1: A sector, an entire industry was under threat.
0: And it felt that there was a term, it was going to be very wasteful to go digital. right? Right. And that a lot of good
1: things were going to go out of the world. And they were right. Correct. And what you see today, I mean, the best way to sum it up is this isn't just about how does media save itself. This is about how technology has swallowed it whole and is in fact... Taking the wheel. Um, the best way to sum it up was uh, Ryan Gosling, sure, thanking Jeff Bezos, who was right. in one of the front row tables at the Golden Globes.
0: Jeff Bezos, known as the owner of the Washington
1: Post and Amazon, Amazon, yeah, the founder um, the, of Amazon, the founder of Amazon. And you look at a business like a Netflix, which thought it was a male. A DVD mail envelope business you, you just subscribe and then they just kept giving you DVDs back and forth and back and forth and then it reinvented itself to stream the video so they had to go sign these deals right and there's a quote I love from their I think their chief content officer so they're signing deals so they have to go to Universal and go to Paramount and go to all the different production companies that own the content and they're signing deals and the deals are time-limited so Every month, there's always an article on The Verge or somewhere where they say they tell you what's coming off of Netflix and what's coming on next month. So I got a notification on my phone that Peppa Pig was coming on. Ooh! So, okay, we have is little big kids. news. This is by by the big way. news. All right. So, do you want to talk about
0: Peppa Pig for a minute?
1: Well, should we? I think it deserves an aside. Are your doesn't kids they? really into Peppa Pig? They love. Peppa Pig. Mike, my, P-
0: my kids are coming off. Look, for the people who don't have children, Peppa Pig is a little pig. We got to keep this under
1: thirty seconds, yeah, Paul.
0: <laughs> she's very British, and it, the entire show is just Daddy Pig, who I share an affinity with because he's an overweight, sort of useless guy. <laughs> he says, like, "I'm going to climb a tree, Peppa," and Peppa is just this very British kid, like, "Oh, Daddy, don't climb a tree." I'm, they so just—they're very—they worry a lot. Yeah, about four to five minutes, and they live on this weird hill that that. <laughs> it's,
1: it's very British. Yeah. The amount of apologizing, everyone and apologizes worrying constantly. Yeah, it's <laughs> just incredibly. It's incredibly British. Yeah, they're
0: uh, they're always deeply concerned. Right. So it's a good show if you want to watch uh, people be deeply concerned. There's also a great episode where they go to to Daddy Pig's work. Have you ever seen that? No. They go to Daddy Pig's work, and it's just this woman moving rectangles and triangles around on a screen and then she hits print and it's it's like the most devastating critique yeah. of, of modern like post-industrial knowledge work i've ever seen <laughs> what do you do and if she just moves shapes and prints
1: them. i'm pretty convinced my kids are a little less intelligent after every peppa pig it's it's tricky that way it's tricky that way so right.
0: peppa pig shows up
1: on uh, netflix right and they send out a notification and Netflix came to a realization. First off, nobody wants DVDs in the mail. People are streaming stuff on YouTube. It's just the, it, the technology was heading there. So they, they did a, a big shift.
0: you got to say, too, this is one of those companies where it utterly set out to destroy an entrenched competitor, similar to, say, Uber. But there was so little sympathy for the entrenched competitor, namely Blockbuster and video rental stores. Yeah. That nobody – Nobody ever cared. Everybody's just like, yeah. It God. wasn't
1: a neighborhood thing, right? You went to yeah. Blockbuster, and it was just—it it,
0: it kept people employed. I mean, that—that that was really I mean, it good. Was a, it was, a but place everybody who worked there hated it.
1: Oh yeah, it was there was hatred, right? Right, exactly. So, so Netflix comes to a first off. First ne- off, its
0: product was no late fees. It was actually a pain. Like you'd go get the video, and it would take a while for it to come. And
1: yeah, you could hold on. A lot of times, my DVD would sit there. For, yeah, there was for no. Weeks.
0: But there was no, like, there was no gratification. It was one of the first big, like, if you hold on a minute, we'll get you on the other side. Yeah. Right? And it's the same with Amazon. It was like, uh, what? I you know this is going to take a minute to come yeah. through the mail compared to a bookstore. But trust me, yeah. you're going to end up getting used to it. Right. And, I mean, it turns out that you can change human behavior if you can ask people to to delay gratification for a couple of days if you offer them the sort of larger sphere of convenience.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then... Then they did their own leapfrog on themselves and said, "Well, you know what you don't even need the mail right and it's worth remembering this was a
0: disaster like i mean it it
1: ended up working well, but they like split the company into two and it was i, I got to say credit to them for transforming themselves yeah. into a completely digital business from one that was very logistically." Oriented. Well, I think right. you can still get the DVDs, right? You just have to. You pay can, them. but no. I but mean, there was a
0: point where they split it in like two separate companies. Oh, I didn't know the backstory. Yeah, it was here. like this. there was going to be some weird like yeah. other organization. They gave it a name and a brand, and it was such a bad idea yeah. that it all rolled back into Netflix. and right. Then they
1: started to get their own content. Well, there's a quote I love. It's one of my favorite quotes and, and because they, they just knew that they could not be beholden to the content owners. Right? Well, see, and the
0: content owners are doing, they, they're doing what I would advise any content owner to do, which is maintain vigilant control over your own sure. copyrights. Of course. The only course. thing that happens is that you get very dissatisfied consumers who are like, well, I, I have a bucket of content, and I want to put my finger in it and get Star Wars. Where's Star Wars? Well, that's the thing, right?
1: Like, I pull up the kids' view of Netflix, and I don't care yeah. if Clifford the dog is gone. There are 600 no. shows and years of episodes kids just laying there. My kids
0: learn to love Risney's The Lion
1: Cow Nobody just as cares. Well as the, yeah. Nobody cares. But- so how does Netflix continue to grow? That's the the key question, right? So there's a quote. Again, I, I've said this seven times already, but here's the quote. They said, well, why are you making your own content? And I think it was their chief content officer, and I don't know his name. And he said, we have to become HBO before HBO becomes us. Fair. And first off, what he came to realize was that the differentiator, the way they were going to change the game for themselves – was to have their own content was to have content that will never ever be anywhere else ever. If you pause and think about that, right, they are not going to lease out their content
0: to Hulu to
1: Hulu or HBO or anyone. else. Meanwhile,
0: there's all these new services coming on, right? There's, and I can't, this is bad cause we forgot the chief content officer's name, but I can't remember their names cause they're all very hard to distinguish. And the way I, I noticed one of them was I paid Hulu for the criterion collection Mm-hmm uh, because i had this fantasy that i would watch lots of really good movies instead of just watching garbage right. in my spare time turns out that that you was you wanted a, garbage you wanted garbage but i had i watched a couple of very very good movies or probably dozens of very yeah. good movies and then i forgot about it for a couple months and then i went back i was like oh i want to watch blah 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 you know yeah. um some french flick from the 60s actually i wanted to see whoever the guy is who did mon uncle and he does all those like Sort of very constructed sets. Jacques Tati, I think his name is. Okay. I wanted to go see that movie and and it was just gone. The whole Criterion collection was gone. They just like and it they d- expired. Yeah, they don't leave clear paths as to oh, where no, you should no, go no. next. It's just like. There's oh, no blast email. Did, blast did that, that happen? Says, yeah. What? Criterion yeah. collection? Of course. They, oh, we never had that really. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, the, so I go to the Criterion website and it's over on some new, I think it's owned by, um, this is how vague it is. It's like on something that's like, you know, like a time warner cable which i guess is now called spectrum effort or right or something where you can go and get the criterion collection and all these other like good films yeah. yeah and it's like i don't know xbox a month and it's the cognitive cost of another subscription service yeah especially because tv is just a little exhausting yeah like netflix alone i spend more time looking for things than i do watching them
1: Oh, I've ended nights just yeah. going through Netflix. Yeah,
0: you wake up with the the bat, you know, the the crappy TV remote in your hand.
1: Yeah, right. It's, it, you, it,
0: you never actually watched anything.
1: That's right. So, what you know, what are the consequences of this? I think. Well, first off, you know, Amazon owns the Washington Post. Forget Jeff Bezos; he's just a he's just a vehicle in the whole. Well, actually,
0: process. it's tricky. It's his, it is his private foundation that owns the Washington Post, but but yes, I mean,
1: this is where we are, right? Yes, like this is and. You have you know some some strange phenomena that come out of this. There's an article recently in The New York Times about how you can just pretty much get you know everybody's talking about echo chambers these days right, and how if you could just pretty much pick up the news that you want to hear right rather than what's oh, there's an article broadcast. by uh, Farhad Manju Correct. about how Netflix creates this bubble for you and it's true, and Netflix amongst others, because there are so many choices and you know golden era of television and all that. You know, a successful TV show today with eight or nine million viewers would, would have been canceled. Right. Right. 20, I mean, 30 years ago. Oh, everything's
0: cut into niches. And so you end up with, say, Samantha B. Right. Very focused on a specific kind of lefty audience. You can't switch from one to the other. She can't wake up tomorrow and go, actually, I believe that the Republicans are right to repeal health care. Right. Or she'll lose her show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's It's not, I mean, it's not that different than like, Deep cable. Like if you go way into cable, you'll start to see stations that are very targeted towards a particular
0: I audience. Mean, Fox News has a huge audience, but it's incredibly targeted. Like you don't go on there and you know, they, they invited me once. I wrote a, a piece for L Magazine about my daughter setting up a fund for my daughter to balance out the mm-hmm. the wage mismatch that she was gonna reach over the course of her life. And I got a call from Fox and Friends, and they were like, "You want to come on talk about that?" I'm like, um, "No." You said no. Oh my god, no! To hell with them! Right? They're garbage. Literally, like I was polite, but it's just like, my god. What well, am I going to do? I'm going to go on and have
1: you just scream at me for well, 20 minutes? They're garbage to you. For your ni- niche, I mean, this, you, that's just not, you're not the guy.
0: Unless I really wanted to promote myself. I right. just don't have, I'm not wired I mean, quite that way. I mean, he there are probably the others podcast.
1: that think you're garbage. Lots of people do. Well, I, I mean. No, but they, they anytime. Fall you fall into no, other circles. No, no, right? no. You no, have but a particular like, viewpoint that you're, s- you're not shy I, about. I have a
0: set of beliefs that, that I can't really shut my mouth about, and that pisses people off. Right, and I'm also in the media, and I have a good job, and that pisses people off if they are not. You in You should media. have no money. Yeah,
1: you should really be struggling. They
0: really would like me to not. Well, no, no, not even that. No, just like I have a voice, I have a career. Oh, right. I On top like, of it, yeah. yeah you didn't like,
1: sacrifice your life for that voice. That's right. Yeah. That's
0: right. And so there's no. Um, I don't want to make this about me, right? But if yeah, if, if I definitely look like a East Coast liberal media elite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even though I'm kind of not fully in the media industry anymore. I am. like a, If you wanted to make um, just a picture of what that looks like, it could be me. Sure.
1: And this is the debate that's happening right now. People are making this observation about media. We just came out of a, a pretty a pretty wild election season, right? Pretty and, big ride, yeah. And we're seeing it not just bifurcating politics, but also bifurcating culture.
0: Yeah. Right? So the point of what was the point of the article? What was the point of the article?
1: I think he was more sharing observations, but I think you know what he was implying uh, was that I I think this leaves us with a little less empathy for beyond our circle. It is true. I don't a little less just sort of understanding of how a lot of other bubbles live. because you live in your own and you watch what you want to watch that reinforces your belief systems and views and and all that. That's how this boils down, right? I
0: mean, in the 70s, you had shows like All in the Family. You had these Norman Lear shows where like, literally the the white racist dad and the liberal kids are living together in a house.
1: Which had a huge impact on American culture for years, actually. It was transformative, right, in many ways. Mary Tyler Moore and women and women in the workplace. You look at shows like The Jeffersons, which was essentially a a black couple that was very successful and lived in a high-rise condo, that which was novel. the song. Yeah, yeah, literally the song, which was like put forward as a novel plot line. So or, you fast
0: forward 40, 45 years, and what you have is instead of this one centralized platform, namely television, which probably there's never been anything more powerful than an American television network at its peak.
1: Yes. Like, I think I that's, think real. that's like, right.
0: You, literally, they made a movie about it called Network, yeah. about just the raw, insane power that networks have. Of course, have, of course. Because they just could control everything. And as a result, and in a, in a very different way than today, they tended against from it, away from any kind of extreme polarity. They were so focused yeah. on producing something that would appeal broadly to america and it created a really specific culture like did you grow up watching johnny carson yeah yeah me too and, yeah. and just and david letterman too sure. and there was a sensibility there where even if they were playing or winking or doing something that was a little bit like off and i mean yeah. carson had a bunch of marriages we know letterman got up to stuff like these are yeah. tricky people in the entertainment industry yes but they always played it right down the middle
1: they did, and and I think they were wary, and and I think forced themselves to think about all those different, like how big the country was, and how important it was to get that reach mm-hmm. more broadly. I mean, Letterman would make fun of it. His
0: thing was more about bringing a certain sensibility to those people. But boy, did he like stuff like stupid pet tricks and things like that, yeah. which were just like almost Basics. old vaudeville routines. Yes, there was always something there for everybody. Yeah, it was a variety show. And it seems like, first of all, there just isn't room for that anymore. I guess you have your Jimmy Fallon's and stuff like that, but I, I find that almost unwatchable at this point. Yeah. Things that now are just, like, kind of for Middle America don't seem to have the same level of craft.
1: They don't, and I think Middle America is also, you could you need to slice that up into its own 20 pieces of the pie. So like, our,
0: our choice is basically, like, Fox News on one side, Samantha Bee on the other with the, like, two and a half men and the big bang theory in the middle
1: yeah i guess that's bad i guess i mean i think i think it's even more new i mean look i don't have the stats in front of me but the amount of time people are, are just scrolling up their facebook feed is way i think i think it exceeds well, I think time s- on television
0: facebook is now all three networks of tv in the 70s it
1: is and if you look at if you think about how Facebook is designed, there aren't multiple channels.
0: It pretends Uh, that it has no broadcast capabilities, essentially. That it's only individuals broadcasting to each other.
1: Yes, but media is dominated by Facebook. Well, and just culture,
0: culture is, you know, this is something that you and I could tease out over 6,000 hours. But culture is contained in that product oh without a doubt right there's a certain box of a certain size and it asks you certain questions and certain things to fill out
1: without a doubt and yeah. i honestly I, I think facebook's secret formula is that it needs like 2 or 3% of the people to give the the content and the rest just flow right in that's right from every you know the rest are just they're consumers they we hit, are consumers of facebook light. i have a custom tailored facebook feed that is driven by my circle of contacts and the like. And that is, if there's anything that is going to reinforce the idea that media is post-broadcast, it's that, right? I mean... So you've got these little boxes, 2 to 3% of people fill them out. Videos autoplay.
0: Right. Uh, it's a very stimulating experience, right? We've hit this era... And this is what I'm, you know, the great thing. I don't
1: want to frame this as
0: critical. No, it's just times have changed and it's it's a dynamic medium. This is what it is.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, you know, there was a thing going on. We've worked in media for a long time. Remember Snowfall? Yes. Snowfall was a thing that came out from the New York Times. And it was an article about an avalanche. And it was very full of, like, sort of gee whiz stuff. It had little animations. It had all sorts of rich kind of hypertext yeah. experience yeah thing.
1: in this little world of feature piece media this was a big deal it's like people mentioned the snowfall moment it's that's worth right noting for those that aren't and uh, so familiar. that was a fantasy that media would get there and that like
0: books would all be interconnected and everything would be <laughs> right. in a big incredible An interactive red- and, yeah. and it was w- always no one ever really figured out how to pay for it <laughs> but what happened is that something like Facebook shows up and it puts all of that emotional and intellectual pressure towards creating those experiences. But they're experiences that encourage people to just say, here's what I had for dinner. Yeah. Here's how I did today. So yeah. the actual hypertext fantasy of enriching information actually became this thing where it's like we're going to enrich experiences that get people to give us information.
1: Right. OK. So I know we're, we're, we're trying to be so very deferential here. But I'm going to ask the question, because I have strong feelings about it, as I've I've observed it. Is this bad? Is what bad? Is Facebook bad? Is – let me pose the question differently. Everybody flipped out about fake news. Fake news,
0: which, of course, now is it. becoming its own political football. But the, the fi- kind of fake news we're talking about here is Macedonian teenagers making up false stories about Hillary Clinton and putting them – Into a Facebook news feed at the height of the election.
1: And getting read. By millions of people. By millions of people. And that didn't freak me out. If I wanted to dig around five years ago to the darker corners of the web where there's all kinds of nonsense, I would have found nonsense. Sure. There's nonsense everywhere. Sure. Everybody's pumping out nonsense. Sure. That's not what freaked me out. What freaked me out is, has the collective mindset and the collective psychology changed such that it can be, why was this effective? Why the hell was this effective?
0: Are you thinking that it's because, I mean, one argument we could make going back to the thing we were just talking about is that there is no center, you know, that things have gotten so polarized that it becomes possible for people to believe that Hillary Clinton molest children in a pizza restaurant in Washington, DC.
1: But wh- but f- let me push back. Why?
0: Here's what I think is when you introduce chaos into a new system, it takes a surprisingly long time for a cultural immune system to show up. And here's let me give you an example. I'm not I can get really compulsive about reloading Twitter. I'm kind of less worried about my kids getting compulsive about it. I think they're going to grow up with it and they're going to find it mostly boring. Interesting. The generation right before me was a generation that watched so much TV. They couldn't stop themselves. Yeah. But I grew up, I watched TV and I'd watch like an hour a day and then I'd get bored. Yeah. And then I found computers. I thought they were pretty cool. And I also, you know, this isn't, I, you know, I did stuff outside, I rode yeah. bikes. It was all good. It was just part of a piece. Yeah. And I feel that there is no immune system just yet.
1: I think I, we, we talked about this briefly in a previous podcast that this won't happen again.
0: Not like That's, this. There's always something new. There'll be some new virtual pad or a happy donkey that talks to you on your on your thumb right, phone or right, whatever right. headset or yeah, your your yeah. sneakers will whistle. Who the hell knows?
1: Right, and, and we it, won't be ready for it.
0: We won't be ready for it. But this current wave happened to all come at once, uh-huh. and this all happened. And you tie it in with American politics, which is one of the more virulent uh, and also well funded cultural explosions right like there's just an unbelievable amount of heat and light and you know as you get up to that election the truth gets very fungible yeah. that that was the the, the way before so fact had checkers these new
1: tools we didn't know how powerful they were we did well we did know but we, we did we just didn't know the boundaries and we then there's know. kind
0: of a moral license to just believe yeah in like the starting around september before a vote Yeah. There's this sense of like, well, God, you know, anything's possible. They're so they're so evil that anything is possible. Right. And so you have this essentially, you know, let's just play it out epidemiologically. You have this very susceptible population and you have a very good communicator in Trump and you have. This bizarre set of economic circumstances, where Macedonian teenagers can hack into the system, right. essentially, and and like, not not hacking, but just walk in with made up news that is at a level of stupid venality that of course a regular teen might come up with. We were all we'd all kind of gone further and further down in the limbic system, right. And the tech was supporting it. And then finally, man, it just all just went apocalyptic. Right. And that, those weeks were rough.
1: Yeah. Also, I mean, let's face it. This was a free and open system versus I could not have pushed this story onto the Washington Post. No. Or even the New York Post. Frankly, no. Right? But there, was a, there was a level of accountability there.
0: All of our discussions about the virtues of free and open system came back and hit us in the head with a shovel.
1: Exactly exactly right and
0: all of our talk about decentralization and centralization and so on it's really ugly yeah it turns out that everyone who's been aggressively pushing for open this and open that like we all got smacked across the face real hard yeah i don't feel good about it i don't feel that yeah. a lot of the things that a lot of the technology things that i thought were virtuous yeah when you they don't scale to mass humanity
1: yeah uh, this is interesting you 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 sort of head in this direction. We actually, um, we have Nicholas Carr who's going to be coming on on our next episode. Longtime
0: internet thinker and and social critic of technology. Yeah,
1: and you've pretty much, I mean, I think this is exactly what he's been warning about, so to speak, for years. And it'll be an interesting conversation to sort of get his thoughts on what's happening today in light of how he's been thinking about stuff for so long.
0: I mean, that's where we are now, right? This is, we've ended up in a place where... It doesn't feel like utopia, but we have the tools to build utopia.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think fundamentally, Paul, uh, we're garbage. I, I want to close it with that. I know you have other thoughts, hey, but the evidence. We isn't might have good. the title for this podcast at, here.
0: At a macro level, at yeah. a micro level, we can be really bad, and there's a list of things that we do to each other that are really bad. Yeah. At a macro level, we often tend to want things. We tend that to are level good. it out. Yeah. I agree yeah, with we that. love each other. We give each other snacks. We. Right try to help each other succeed yes a lot of us are narcissistic beasts yes a lot of us are selfish but overall there's a general human tendency to want things to be better unless the economy whatever that is whether it's an economy of like fish or an economy of right that can globalized neo whatever that can push us yeah once you get it then we we slip yeah. And you see things go real bad, real fast. Actually, it can take years or months even. Yeah. But as long as we have jobs, we're pretty good.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. If there's, if we're not being inched towards desperation, I think we're... I was being funny. It's not even desperation. I, I'm, an, I'm an incredibly optimistic person. People are weird because
0: uh, it's not even desperation. <laughs> it's almost like if my kid can't get a yellow skateboard, right. I'm going to have to kill them. They man. lose their shit. Yeah. yeah. They get real, real freaked out yeah. over fractional things that might take away that little sense of opportunity right which is where people just lose their collective minds
1: so all right well we went we went big this week paul this isn't about product management we're going to talk
0: about globalized netflix and how
1: it all fits in well look what
0: netflix has done it's true they've (laughs) taken over the world you know they're getting big in brazil
1: I did not know that. I, I imagine they're getting big globally. It's
0: a big article in Business Week. They're getting huge in Brazil. They're I going bet. because I bet. they're doing it. They're going for a global media consumer.
1: Yeah, they're, so I mean that's where their growth is probably. I so, mean elsewhere where they've not conquered. Right.
0: It's a funny one. They're a giant player. They're yeah. a big deal. Yeah. So. Cool. All right, on that note, we should mention that we love questions, Paul. Yes, send an email to hello at postlight.com.
1: Yeah, we had a long debate about should we keep saying contact? At hello postlight.com? at postlight.com. Hello at postlight.com. Both work, but please. Hello sounds so much warmer.
0: Anything you need, just get in touch. My name yes. is Paul Ford.
1: I'm Rich Ziotti.
0: And this has been Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. <laughs> Loving the address. Hello yeah. at Postlight.com. We're glad to hear from you. And go ahead and rate us on iTunes if it suits your fancy. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: Have a great week. Bye.